What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 22 of Journey into Paul's Imagination. I hope everyone is well and safe um, during these next few days with Hurricane Ian um, making landfall in the state of Florida. So to my all my fellow Floridians, um, hope all is well and can't wait for uh, for this to pass and you know be back in the parks very soon. Um, and welcome to my new guest to the show. Um, if you're wondering why I'm welcoming them, we're actually going to be doing a first-time visitor's guide for Walt Disney World later in the show. So we'll be talking about pretty much all that you need to know for your first-time visit to Walt Disney World, or even if it's been a while since you visited, or you just need some tips on a Disney trip. I'm hoping that I can provide that to you later on in the show. Um as part of my normal routine, we do talk about Disney Parks news, entertainment news, um, and then anything else going on. So uh, stay tuned. We will get into that visitor's guide. Um, but first, I want to start off like every episode with our uh, Disney Parks news or any Parks news, really, for that matter. And the reason why I say any Parks news is because, of course, Universal Studios Orlando and all of the theme parks at Walt Disney World will be closed Wednesday and Thursday due to Hurricane Ian, so hoping that everyone is safe in the meantime. Disney Springs is closed uh, as of just for Wednesday, and a decision on Thursday is going to be made shortly after, so um, stay tuned. I'm not sure what to expect, but um, we'll see what happens. A little bit of a bummer that uh, the hurricane's coming because Epcot's 40th anniversary is on Saturday, and... um, we finally got to see some merchandise. I know there has been a lot of criticisms about Epcot's merchandise due to a lot of it being geared towards, you know, like winter clothing. A lot of long sleeves, sweaters, sweatshirts. Um, I wasn't in particularly keen on really much. I was really hoping that for Epcot's 40th, we would get more than just merchandise and snacks. But it is what it is. Um, I know there's a sweatshirt, a spirit jersey, so that is set to release um, on October 1st. I'm not sure how limited it is, if it's something that will last a few months, will last a few days. Um, I'm sure the weather, obviously, this weekend will also tell, so more to be seen on that. I know with Epcot's 35th anniversary, there was a really long line on the anniversary date, but um, there was still some merchandise left over as time continued. Um, for Epcot's 40th anniversary, they also released some, uh, like a foodie guide. So there's some, some good things that look really good. Um, Connections Cafe has a special 40th Liege waffle that's going to be available, uh, September 29th through October 3rd. Obviously some of my dates might be wrong. It's going to be September 30th through October 3rd. Um, and what I'm most excited for, and really the one thing that I want that I've seen is the 40th Fiesta Margarita. Um, it has a celebration of the colors of the anniversary for Epcot in a frozen margarita with a Mexico 40 souvenir cup, which looks really cool. So I'm very excited for that. Um, a lot of the other items are specifically in some of the sit-down dinings. I know one of the other very popular items that was released was at Sunshine Seasons, which is now going to be through September 30th through October 3rd, is a figment sponge cake with honey lime mousse. Um, It doesn't sound super appetizing to me, but it looks really cool, and I'm sure it's going to be a very popular snack that that people are going to be wanting this weekend, pending everything works out with the storm. 
So there wasn't a whole lot that was released, but we did get some cool snacks. So um, I'm hoping that Friday everything blows over and I can go get a uh, try a good margarita with a souvenir cup. Um, moving on, we saw that more of the Disney and Vans 40th anniversary collection has been released. I'm surprised that we didn't know more about this earlier in the year because this might be the best collection that's been released for the 50th anniversary. Um, the new collection is geared more towards like stickers with original characters. So we see Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, and I think the only other character on there is Donald. But um, the merch looks really good and they released some more of it. So um, I, I don't have any of it yet, but if I see something, especially with the 30% off, for annual pass holders, it might be, it might be worth getting. Um, something that also was released uh, earlier this week, and I'm not a big fan of it, but for the holidays, uh, I, I don't know the exact dates this year that the part or the festival is taking place, but um, Epcot hosts their International Festival of the Holidays event. And every year they have a candlelight processional with celebrity narrators. Basically, what happens is the celebrity narrators are joined by the Voices of Liberty. Um, and it, it's it's a cool experience. And basically, it's an opportunity for you to hear the celebrity with guests, you know, retell the traditional Christmas story. I've seen it once before. I wasn't really a big fan of it personally. But this year I'm excited because they've got some really great special guests. I'm not going to le- uh, read off the whole lineup. But some of the ones that stood out for me, um, the one especially was Simu Liu, um, Shang-Chi. He's going to be here November 25th through the 26th. It's a bummer that I am blocked out of Epcot due to my annual pass. I'm hoping there's a way to to figure something out to be able to go see him. But um, to me, that's an awesome, awesome guest. December 10th through the 12th, Josh Gad is going to be here, who is, of course, the voice of Olaf. Um, Neil Patrick Harris will be here December 15th through the 18th, which he normally is here every year. Um, a really cool one, Cal Ripken Jr., for my sports fans, will be here December 21st to the 23rd. And then on sorry, July, on December 29th to December 30th, Angela Bissett um, from Black Panther will actually be um, be a voice. So there, there's some really cool stars that are going to be there this year. Um, like I said, Samulu would be my top choice, but if not, I also would really want to see Josh Gad. So um, who knows? Maybe with, a, with someone that I'm more interested in seeing... I'll prefer it, so we'll see. Some other news we got in regards to Epcot. Disney's DuckTales World Showcase Experience is going to be coming later this year. Um, there really wasn't much information released with it, just more so that this was coming to the park. So uh, more to be found out, I guess. Um, and then lastly, Disney After Hours events are returning this January. Um, and this might be something good for you know, some of the newbies to the parks or someone who hasn't been here in a while. Um, Disney After Hours events are basically an opportunity where you would pay, um, I think it's between $129 to $159, and you'd basically get to spend an extra three hours after the park's closed where drinks and snacks are included. Um, so that will include ice cream novelties, popcorn, and then select soft drinks. 
Um, I have only been to one After Hours event, and I'm not including Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party or Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party. Um, But I have done – they had a Disney Villains After Hours event. I preferred that a lot because it was really nice to – See, there was there wasn't much, but there was some special entertainment. Um, so that was cool to experience. But if you're someone who's looking to just knock out a lot of attractions at once, I mean, it is it is an opportunity where you get a lot done in a short period of time. Um, so that will be returning again. I've only been once. I personally, for me, I really would need some type of theme to do it. Um, but for guests who are traveling, it might be a a better idea just to know for a fact you can get everything done. Now, I know normally I would do this later in the show, but just for the sake of organization and not trying to confuse my newbies uh, too much, um, I wanted to talk about some of the dinings that I've done and wanted to talk about a little bit earlier in the show. Um, so, of course, this was my last weekend at Halloween Horror Nights. So we actually went to the Hard Rock Hotel, which is actually beautiful. I was very impressed and very surprised with how nice of a resort it is. It feels very like Hollywood Beverly Hills-esque. So it's really nice, fairly small property. But um, we tried the kitchen there, which honestly, it basically feels like a resort version of Hard Rock Cafe. Um, We got a focaccia bread, which was was fine. I got a half-pound burger, which it was good, but again, something I feel like you probably could get very similar at Hard Rock Cafe. We did get a s'mores brownie sundae, which was very good. Um, but ultimately, not somewhere that I would go back to or not somewhere that I would have wanted to go out of my way to. Um, it was cool to see the resort. I think with our last Halloween Horror Nights, we wanted to do something that we wouldn't normally do. Um, and we did, but personally, I would, I'd probably skip it. And then I actually, Lindsay was out of town, but I got to dine at a restaurant I haven't been to in a while. So at Disney's Hollywood Studios, which I have not ate at a restaurant at Disney's Hollywood Studios since I think summer 2021, um, I went to sign it sci-fi dining uh, theater restaurant. And sci-fi, I mean, sci-fi is fine. It, it, it's got, the food is fine. It's really the ambiance is what you're going for. It basically you step back into the 1950s and you're going to a drive-in movie um, where you get to sit down in a car and basically you're watching like little clips and trailers of different things. Um, so it's a really cool vibe. Like you, it is cool to be in there. Just the food is very – it's very whatever. I mean for a place that is pretty much primarily burgers, you would assume that they would have some of the best burgers on property – which I, I don't think they do. But um, it's a fine restaurant. I think it's good for picky eaters. So if you have anyone in your party who they're a picky eater, they want the Disney magic of what a, a sit-down restaurant is like, but they don't want to spend top dollar or have to really go for anything too exotic, sci-fi is great in that sense um, because the atmosphere is is great and – it just works. It works. It, it does the job. Um, I have it at 53 out of 96. The food is really what brings it down for me. It's not bad. It just, the way I look at it is it's a fine burger. It's not a special burger. Um, you know, if the food was, was top tier, this could be really high on my list, but um, it's just not. 
it's a place that like if someone ever asked me hey you want to go to sci-fi like i'll go it is a difficult place to find reservations for um but it's very affordable the food's fine and i love the ambiance what i would really like is sci-fi dine-in to have like special movie premieres i mean they have a massive screen they have speakers there i love for them to do special events for every like new Disney or Marvel or Star Wars movie that comes out. Um, So it's just something that I think would be really cool and kind of hope someone from Disney would be listening to, to take that idea. I think it'd be cool to like go see Black Panther Wakanda forever. And, you know, I don't know, pay 50 bucks and that includes your meal in the movie. I think that'd be a cool idea. Um, And it could be after hours. So it's not like, you know, no attractions are open. It's just, just a special experience. Um, So, We'll see. Over to my entertainment news. Um, new Strange World trailer released, which is releasing Thanksgiving uh, Day week. Um, makes a little bit more sense. It it seems that the main character, his father, um, I, I guess had gone missing, and now he wants to continue his adventure to experience other planets. Um, so I'm a little bit more intrigued now. I'm not super like over the top. But, um, you know, the story makes a little bit more sense for me. And so I'm excited. I'm, I'm always excited to see new Disney movies. So we'll see. High School Musical, the musical, the series, season four. It is happening, folks. <laughs> this upcoming season, we are getting Corbin Blue, Lucas Grebeel, and Monique Coleman, all from the original High School Musical that are going to be in this um, season. I'm telling you guys... I truly, with everything in me, think that we're going to get High School Musical 4. Um, The fact that, you know, three old cast members from the original movie are going to be there, it just feels like it's coming. So just wait. You're going to be looking back and saying, Paul told you so. Um, And I'll be excited for it. On the Marvel side, we found out some cool news. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is set out to is set at two hours and 41 minutes. Um, that's the runtime. It would make it the second longest MCU film ever, which I'm excited for. I think this movie is going to have a lot to tell because it's it's going to really have two major stories. It's, the, of course, the plot of the story with Namor and the new Black Panther, and then also what happened with Chadwick, which is going to be heartbreaking. And I think you need it to be long because you really need to tell... You need to you need to treat that part correctly. Um, so I'm very excited for this movie. Uh, I know there's a rumor that tickets are going on sale Monday, so I'm hoping to to be prepared and be in my seat on, I believe, November 11th. Last bit of entertainment news, and by far the biggest piece of entertainment news, Deadpool 3 with Wolverine, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine returning, is coming September 6, 2024. Ryan Reynolds posted a video on Twitter and Instagram, and it's epic. I mean, it's epic. It's Ryan Reynolds talking about Deadpool 3, and Hugh Jackman walks right behind him. And he's like, hey, Hugh, you want to do the movie? And he goes, yeah, sure. Um, I'm pumped. I'm so, so excited for this one. Um it's going to be awesome. I, it, it's an incredible, incredible news and um, very much excited to, uh, 
to see how how that movie pans out. Before we get into um, before we get into our Disney visitor guide, I also had some movies that I saw uh, the past week. So I'll start off with The Woman King. Um, the Woman King. I didn't really know too much about the true history of the movie. It is about a group of woman warriors in Africa that um, I don't really know how to how to explain it, but um, it does involve the slave trade, and I I don't know the best way to explain it, but um, it it was a movie filled with good action, you know, good story. Like it's a perfectly solid movie that just didn't have a wow factor. Um, you know, some of the cast were really good. Some of the action scenes were really well done, um, but it's a little bit of a slow burn, pretty predictable. Overall, just a perfectly solid movie to me. Um, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's enjoyable. I just don't think it's something you have to necessarily run to theaters for. Something I do think you got to run to theaters for, though, is Don't Worry Darling, um, featuring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Olivia Wilde, Chris Pine. Um, if you were a WandaVision fan like myself, this is a must for you. It is my number four movie on the year currently, and I truly think this is Florence Pugh's breakout film. I know some people will argue and say Yelena and Black Widow was, but this feels like the movie where, like, she, you can really see her acting, and she's just incredible. Um, forget the movie drama. Like, this movie is fantastic. Um, I think Florence Pugh, I said that John Boyega in Breaking was one of the best performance of the, performances of the year. Um, Florence Pugh is up there. She was incredible. Um, it's it's very similar concept as WandaVision, but it does a great job of creating its own version with a super twisted storyline. Um, everything really ties together so well, and it... It's very. Uh, one friend told me he thought it was up, it was predictable. I don't think it's predictable at all. I think it's extremely unpredictable. Um, it's very unique. What I will say is, I mean, it's a complex story. You're gonna have a lot of questions. Probably some questions I would have liked answered. Um, but there, it leaves you a lot to think about. Um, very impressive movie. No, I don't think Harry Styles is anything special. I think he is just fine <laughs> truthfully I don't, I don't really don't think he added anything to uh to the movie that would that drove it to be better or worse um so i give it a nine out of ten great movie um and yeah I, I just didn't really understand the hype of harry styles in this movie honestly i didn't realize that harry styles had this cult following until this movie came out um but he, he's really nothing special in this movie. So I apologize in advance um, if you're a Harry Styles fan and that's the reason you're going. But this movie is phenomenal for every reason, not including Harry Styles. But all right, let's get into our, our first time Disney visitor guide. Um, if it's, If you're thinking about your first time of going to Walt Disney World or you haven't been in a while and you want to go or you just want some advice on how to do the parks, you came to the right spot. I live literally seven minutes from Magic Kingdom, which if you're unfamiliar, that is the Castle Park. Um, I try to go to Disney once a week, usually, if not once a week, at least once every other week. 
Um, and I just love it. I, I pride myself on, you know, trying to stay at as many resorts as possible, trying to eat as, as many restaurants as possible. Um, so, and for the last five years, I feel like I've had just a lot of experiences with Disney and I hope I can help you with your upcoming Disney trip. Now I want to start by, I feel like the first thing before anything, especially because Folks who are going to Disney for first time in a while, I think the biggest question you get is, you know, I have a child. What's the perfect age to take my child? And don't tear me apart if you don't like my answer because some people don't. Um, but I do think it's worth waiting, especially if you're coming from out of town. Um, I wouldn't personally, if I had, if I didn't live in Florida and I had to travel here and spend all the money to get here. I probably wouldn't take my child to Disney until they're five years old. Um, it's expensive. There's a lot to see. It could be a bit overwhelming, and you want them to remember it. Um, I know the pictures are cute when they're very, very young, but it's also it's taking a toll on you. Um, I think five years old are at a good age where you know the character interactions are awesome. They're you know old enough to do a lot of the rides. Um, me personally, I think that's the starting age. And I just think, you know, as you progressively get a little bit older, it's just better because then you could do more with them. Um, but if you feel like financially you're fine and whatever you want to take your child, then hey, do it. I'm not going to stop you. I'm Disney's a great place to go. Um, that's just personally me, like what I would advise someone. Now, before I get into like, okay, like, planning your trip the first well even once you plan your trip i think a big step and i want to call this out early is if you're going to go to walt disney world you need to download my disney experience app um if you have a smartphone for those smartphone users my disney experience app is a lifesaver for disney you can book hotel reservations you can book dinner reservations. You can order food through quick service locations with it. You can see all of your pictures that you took on your vacation. You can check wait times across the resorts. If you're staying at a resort, you can see when the next bus is coming. Um, you can see what food options are. I mean, anything and everything at Walt Disney World is on that app. Um, it you, you, you really need it. Like you, I don't think we're in a the days anymore where you can just use a map to get around. Like you, you need the, my Disney experience app. Um, so if you're thinking about going or you have booked your trip already, make sure, make sure, make sure you have that app downloaded. Now, I think a lot of people going back to those who are kind of in the planning part is how many days do I visit for? Um, and it's a very hard question to answer, truthfully, um, because for me, I'm going to tell you it's up to your finances. I wouldn't go to Disney any less than like four days. Like I think a Thursday to Monday, like it's still a very short trip because Walt Disney World Resort is huge. It is huge. Like it's bigger than Manhattan. It is a huge property. There is so much to do. Um and you're not going to do all of it in one trip. That's just the reality of it because there's a lot. But I think for your first trip, you want it to be a memorable one. In my opinion, I think if you can afford it, seven to ten days is the best amount of time. 
It gives you more than enough time to visit some of your main parks multiple times, like Magic Kingdom, like Epcot, potentially Disney's Hollywood Studios. And it also allows you, and I'll get into this next, to have some time to to spend time at the resort. Um, There's just so much, and I think, especially if you only do like four days, you don't have that really that opportunity to spend at your resort or visit a Disney Springs or sometimes even really get to take a chance to sit back and relax because you're constantly go, go, go. Um, So if I'm visiting for the first time, I think seven to 10 days, um, obviously the more the better. I know it's expensive if you, it's really up to your financial, but I think seven to 10 days is your like perfect timing. And I know that sounds like a lot. You're probably like, do I really need this much time at a theme park? But Disney's more than a theme park, and there's a lot to do, and it is very crowded. So um, so you might not be able to do everything you want to do because of the crowds. Um, you might not be able to – or there might be things that you see that you want to do, but your schedule is packed from the moment you wake up till you go to bed that you realize that you can't do it. So um, that's what I would recommend. Seven to ten days I think is a good, good timeline. So where should you stay? First, let's start on property or off property. For me, I think on property is so worth it. Um, I have now stayed at, I think we've stayed at close to 15 Disney resorts, including Hotel Cheyenne in Disneyland Paris and also Disneyland Hotel in Disneyland California. Um, I enjoyed staying on property at Disneyland Paris and Disneyland uh, resort and those are like those are actually parks where you can get away with staying off property. Um, here, I mean, you can get away with it, but it just it's going to be a little bit more inconvenient when you're staying off property. Here, you do need to rent a car because um, you just can't walk from park to park. You do need to rent a car, and because of how large Walt Disney World is. There's really not a resort that's like right here, that's like right off of Disney property. Um, I think the closest ones are some of the non-Disney owned resorts, which are technically on Disney property. Um, That includes the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin and the Swan Reserve, Um, any of the resorts at Bonnet Creek Resort. There's also Disney Springs neighborhood, neighborhood hotels, including like the Wyndham, um, those are more affordable options that are technically on property. But if you were truly going off property, I think you're at least, depending on the park, looking at Magic Kingdom, it's probably always going to take you at least 15, 20 minutes um, if you're off property. Same thing with probably Epcot. Same thing with Disney's Hollywood Studios. You could find some resorts that are closer, but... My point is, is it is a little bit of a pain. On property, I mean, you get free bus transportation, um, which is huge. Just you don't have to pay for a rental car. You save a lot of money that way. Um, which obviously it does limit you to only Disney property, but there's a lot to do on Disney property. Um, you do get certain benefits like early entry. So every morning you get to stay an extra thirty minute. You get to come in an extra 30 minutes before park open. And deluxe resorts even get to stay 
Um, I forget how long it is, but they have nights where you get to stay after the park closes. Um, so there are some really neat benefits to staying on property. Um, so, all right, if you're going to stay on property, where should you stay? Let's, let's just get right into it. So Disney structures their resorts in three different ways. There is value resorts, which are your most affordable, moderate, which are moderately, and then deluxe, which are your most expensive resorts. Obviously, even within these brackets, they can still fluctuate. Um, and I'll I'll kind of go over like where my resorts stand within these brackets. But like deluxe resorts, there are some deluxe resorts that are cl- closer to moderate value than the highest deluxe value. There's some there's one value resort that can be priced at the price of a deluxe resort. It's just I know it's a little confusing. Um, but I'll try and explain it the best way possible. So let's start at value. You don't care where you stay. Um, granted, all the Disney resorts are still very nice. They're all very clean. The resorts, a lot of them, the rooms have been recently refurbished. Don't make it seem like you're going to get like, you know, you're not going to get a good experience because you are. If I'm talking value resort and there's somewhere that I think is the best you know, the best resort to stay at, I'm going to say Disney's Pop Century Resort. Um, Pop Century is probably like the middle bracket of value resorts. The other options would be uh, any of the Disney's all-star all-star resorts. That includes movies, music, um, movies, music, and sports. Those are your going to be your most affordable options. What I like about Pop Century is you have the Disney Skyliner which is a method of transportation that can um, make it easily accessible for you to get into Disney's Hollywood Studios or Epcot. So to me, anytime you can get more convenient transportation, take advantage of it. Um, And the Skyliner, truthfully, is a game changer. I would have said Disney's Art of Animation Resort because I do like it better than Pop Century, but that is where I say that certain rooms are priced differently. Um, Disney's Art of Animation Resort is beautiful and it's great. And they do have some regular standard hotel rooms. However, a majority of the resort is actually suite rooms, um, where the prices can range as like a lower deluxe, uh, cost. And I mean, they, they are great for larger families. If you have a larger family and you're looking for one, highly recommend. But if you're just looking for your family, I think Pop Century is great. It has a good pool. Um, so you can still do that nice pool day for yourself. Um, there's still activities at the resort. You might not have as much of the immersive experience as some of the deluxe resorts where they may have, um, sometimes just some deluxe resorts have like specialty offerings that just go along with some of, some of the restaurants or bars or lounges that are there. But, um, I'm going pop century for value. Now moderate, you're going to take the price a little bit higher and you're going to get a little bit more. I'm personally going Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. Um, I am torn on which is my favorite moderate resort because I do love Disney's Coronado Springs Resort as well. But I picked Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort mainly because of the Skyliner. Um, the main Skyliner port is actually located at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. So you can take it directly into Disney's Hollywood Studios with no transfer. The only resort you can do that with. Or you can go ahead and take it to Epcot as well. Um, I love Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort because it has one of the 
best dinings on Disney property with Sebastian's Bistro. It's an all-you-can-eat Caribbean family-style meal. It's really, really good. I think Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort has one of, if not the best pool on property. Um, I really love their pool. I think Lindsay and I stayed at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort um, a few years ago, and it made me want to do staycations everywhere because I just had so much fun, and it was so relaxing. Um, and it's just, it really is beautiful. Like the, the theming is incredible. Um, not many more offerings. Like I can't think of anything special at Caribbean beach versus a mod, uh, versus a value. I think the only thing that I would say is that there are sit down dinings where a value resort does not have that. Um, your other options are Coronado Springs, which is really nice and it has very good meals. It has, you're looking at um, at four dining options, so there are plenty of places to eat. Unfortunately, you just don't have a quick method of transportation. Um, the other option is one of the Port Orleans resorts, either Riverside or French Quarter. I've stayed at uh, Port Orleans Riverside before. Not the biggest fan personally. It's probably one of my one of my lesser favorite resorts on Disney property. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of it. And the only additional method of transportation that you get is a boat to take you to Disney Springs, which is nice. Um, but personally, I'm more worried about how to transport myself into the park. So Caribbean Beach um, for me. Deluxe is where it gets crazy. And I, I can't even explain all the deluxe resorts. Um, it, it would take forever. You have a lot of variations of what price can be for a deluxe resort. Deluxe resort is like if you want the full-fledged Disney experience, you want what it truly feels like to be immersed, like go for a deluxe resort. They by far usually always have the best restaurant options. Um, I think all of them have a bar and a lounge. They are by far the most well-themed resorts. They're, they're just amazing. My best vacations are always at deluxe resorts. They're just fantastic. Um, I'm going with Disney's Polynesian Resort. It's my favorite resort. Um, it's not overwhelmingly big. Um, it has this, the Polynesian or Hawaiian feel to it. You have the best, best restaurant in the world there. Um, you got Dole Whip right downstairs. You have views of the fireworks. You're on the monorail route. I mean, there's a lot of good benefits. And you're also in close proximity to Disney's Grand Floridian Resort or Disney's Contemporary Resort. So you also have the opportunity to go and experience those resorts as well. I just always love the vibe of that resort. I think the rooms are great. Um, the rooms really at all the Disney resorts are great, but I just especially love these ones. Um, it just has a homey feel to it. I feel like it's very relaxed and casual, for a del especially for a deluxe resort, so... That's where I'm going. So, um, so many options. I really don't think you could go wrong in terms of like where to stay, but I'm definitely going to say stay on property if you can. But all right, let's get into the parks. Um, how do you approach the parks? Um, I, the, this is why I struggle truthfully with, you know, like giving advice to first time Disney visitors because my approach is just do it all. Like, 
there, you shouldn't not do anything. There's nothing that I'm going to tell you you should do versus don't do that. And I know it's bad advice because you can't get everything done. But I'm going to tell you to try and do it all, which you should. Um, but let's go just in terms of like how do I approach it like timing-wise. If you're only going to go for four days, you really need to be doing open to close every day you're there. Open to close every day you're there. You're really not including a time back at the resort. You're, you're not – you don't really want to sit down for a meal because it's probably going to take up too much time out of your day. Like you are moving quick. If you're doing seven days, um, you are probably – you're a little bit – you're definitely more relaxed. You can do that pool day. Probably only going to get one, maybe two pool days. You have some time, but you probably still don't have as much time as you think. Um, and then 10 days, you have plenty of time. You know, you're definitely very relaxed. Um, my approach, if you're going to go, you know, obviously the four days, you're just going to go open and close. But if you're going to go a, a decent amount of time, I think the best way to do it, and it's not some way that I would really have done until a few weeks ago, but I would get there first thing in the morning, you know, get as much done as you can. And then once it's like 11, 30, 12, go back to your resort, you know, go relax by the pool, depending on the on the park. So like Magic Kingdom, I think this is a great example for um, because Magic Kingdom just gets very busy in the middle of the day or wait and see, you know, the parade and then leave. Um, but I think that's an opportunity to come back, relax. That works for Magic Kingdom. It works for Epcot. Um, it can work for Disney's Hollywood Studios. Animal Kingdom is really the one park that I would say just do what you can, and then once you're done, you could leave since it's just the park that you're not going to spend the most time at. But um, early in the morning, get as much as you can. You know, If you need that break, definitely take it. Um, and then, of course, you want to finish out at night. Then the, Really, the only park that you don't care to do at night is Disney's Animal Kingdom just because there's no nighttime spectacular. Um, most of the attractions are down at night. Expedition Everest is great at night. Flight of Passage, you might get a shorter wait. But other than that, I just don't think it's worth it. I think that's a park you really want to do. You want to get in and probably get out. Now, one question that I, I've heard people ask is, I can only pick two Disney parks. Which ones do I do? I am obviously not going to recommend doing it. But if there's two that you're going to pick, I'm probably going to veer off the path and do what most people would say no to. The obvious is Magic Kingdom. You have to see Cinderella's Castle. You have to experience all the true Disney attractions. Now, I know most people would say Epcot, but I think it depends who you're going with. If you're going with a group of adults that want to drink and enjoy lots of food, then yes, Epcot makes sense. If you're with a family or with kids, I'm saying Disney's Hollywood Studios. To me, Disney's Hollywood Studios is my second favorite park at Walt Disney World. Um, it's got a lot of the best attractions on property, from Tower of Terror to Rock and Roller Coaster to Rise of the Resistance to Slinky Dog Dash to Toy Story Mania. I mean, some of the best attractions on Disney property are there. Um, anytime someone says that they're, they're going to skip a park and it, you're skipping Disney's Hollywood Studios, you're really missing a lot. And I know you're missing some at Epcot too, but you're missing a lot, especially when Fantasmic, the nighttime spectacular returns. I think you really get your money's worth there. Um, 
So if you're going to pick two parks, that, that's the two that I'm going with. So, all right, we kind of talked generally about how to plan out your day, but let's say each park. Like, how, how should you plan it out? Obviously, I'm not going to give you a step-by-step, but let's say I'm doing seven days, this, you know, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm dedicating – I'm trying to do my math, but I'm dedicating one – I'm dedicating two days to Magic Kingdom. I'm going to do one full day and one day where I have a gap, you know, some time in between. But I am trying to bang out Seven Dwarfs Mine Train first thing in the morning. Um, try and really just do as much as I can, but try and stay in a specific area. I know at other parks you might be jumping around a lot to beat wait times. Magic Kingdom is one of those parks where a lot of the attractions tend to be really busy. Um, and if you're there in the morning and you can just go and follow along the path, I would do so. Um, but mine train would be my morning thing. And of course, finish out with enchantment, um, or soon to be happily ever after Epcot. You need to wake up at 7am, um, to get a guardians of the galaxy, cosmic rewind boarding group. And you could do that right on the, my Disney experience app. Basically the boarding group gives you, it's basically like a ticket to let you onto that attraction later on in the day. Um, Personally, Epcot for me is more of a – it's one of the parks you can get away not waking up first thing in the morning. Like I actually think Epcot is fine to get there at like 12, 1 o'clock. Um, so let's say you're doing Magic Kingdom one night and you're there till 11, 12 o'clock. You're exhausted. I think Epcot's actually the perfect park to do the next day because, yes, you're going to do a lot of walking. However, it's a park that you can start later in the day um, pending that you're – your Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind boarding group hasn't been called. But I think that's a park because it's not many attractions. And you really want, like, once it cools down later that evening, that's when you want to be walking around the World Showcase, trying those food and drinks, um, and then getting a nice spot for the fireworks. Um, And that's something you could also do twice. Disney's Hollywood Studios, that to me, I mean, you could do multiple days, but I think one day you really want to do it all in one day. Um, in terms of like park open, that's tough. There's a lot of attractions you can go to. Rise of the Resistance is probably the best one since it's the most popular. Um, get there as early as you can, get right on it, and then just do it all. Um, right now, you can also do Rise of the Resistance right before close because there's not a nighttime spectacular worth seeing. But once Fantasmic which is one of the best nighttime spectaculars of all time, returns, um, you're obviously not going to want to miss that because that's an incredible show. Then Disney's Animal Kingdom, start with Flight of Passage first thing in the morning, then just work your way around. Probably won't spend as much time there. It's, it's probably half-day park. So if you really enjoyed like Epcot at night, that's an opportunity where you can do Disney's Animal Kingdom till maybe, let's say, 3 o'clock. Go back to your resort and then pop back into Epcot at like 6, 7 o'clock. Now, I, I one question I have is, you know, must do attractions. And I hate this question too because I'm, I say do it all. But I know you can't do it all. So let me get into the must do attractions like you cannot miss. Um, for me right now, Magic Kingdom, I'm going to say Splash Mountain. But I know it's, you know, going to be... Uh, it's going to be gone pretty soon. So then I'll say Space Mountain. It's iconic. 
everybody wants to ride Space Mountain. You have to do it. If you're a roller coaster fan, you'll love it. It's it's just an iconic, nostalgic attraction. At Disney's Hollywood Studios, Rise of the Resistance and or Tower of Terror. Um, Rise of the Resistance is one of the most technologically advanced attractions ever built. And then Tower of Terror... Tower of Terror is also another very iconic attraction uh, with tons of thrill. They're both must-dos. At Epcot, really the only one for me is Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. It's the best attraction currently at Walt Disney World. It's an incredible. I love it. Um, you could add Soren as a must-do as well. I have a feeling if you go to Epcot, you're probably going to get most attractions done. Disney's Animal Kingdom, it's really three attractions that you have to do. Um, Expedition Everest, Kilimanjaro Safaris, and Flight of Passage. They're all great. Um, Expedition Everest is, in my opinion, the second best coaster at Walt Disney World. Kilimanjaro Safaris allows you to really feel like you're in Africa and see all of the beautiful animals at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And then Flight of Passage is just an incredible, very, very awesome attraction that's a must-do. There are some attractions that you might want to ride at like certain points of the day. Some of those that I'd include, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at Magic Kingdom. Um, do that at night. It actually feels a little bit faster, and I just think the ride experience is better. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, uh, Slinky Dog Dash at night is also very good. Um, just Toy Story Land looks beautiful at night, and it looks great. It feels a little bit more thrilling as well. Splash Mountain, I would say midday at over at uh, Magic Kingdom, mainly because of you're going to get wet on it, and if you can let it dry off as quick as you can, do it during the day. However, note that Splash Mountain, the, um, the wait times during the day are also the longest. Going over to Disney's Animal Kingdom, Kilimanjaro Safaris, I would try and do that in the morning. So if you can do Flight of Passage and then Kilimanjaro Safaris, you're likely to see a lot of animals. Um, either that or right before lunchtime because lunchtime you'll see some of the animals gone eating. And at night, the attraction shuts down early. So make sure you get there before it does shut down. Now going back to Magic Kingdom for my last two, um, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train to me at night. It's <laughs> just any coaster at night that's outside feels more thrilling. Um, and then Jungle Cruise at night, this to me is just a personal preference. Personally, I just, Jungle Cruise, you're on a boat going around the, um, going around the rivers of the, I forget the name of the river that it's supposed, the Nile River. Um, I don't want to be just, I don't want to just be, exhausted from the heat. I don't want to get sunburned. I think at night it just feels a lot better. Here are some things, like some products you may have heard about just in thinking about your Disney trip. So are they worth it? Genie Plus and PhotoPass. I have no experience with Genie Plus or Lightning Lane, truthfully. Um, I've heard mixed reviews. Some people say that they really enjoy it and they felt that they were able to do a lot because of it. Others felt the opposite. In my opinion, if it's your first experience at Walt Disney World or you haven't been in a while, you're probably not going to know the ins and outs of Genie Plus. Don't do it. Don't waste your money. Go ahead and just enjoy the parks. Enjoy the queues. 
one thing about Walt Disney World to know is that the cues or what you might think of as the lines are very immersive and they're part of the experience. So you don't want to miss those. And then is PhotoPass worth it? It depends. If you have a really good iPhone that can get good pictures, then maybe not. But PhotoPass actually covers all of your photos from your trip. So um, I have it attached to my annual pass, and I really like it. I especially like it for my Run Disney events, so it might be worth it. And then are the water parks worth it? If you're staying, I think, over a week, then yes. I would recommend at least one water park. If you're staying, like, even seven days, um, I'd probably advise not to. I think water parks are great for locals. I think they're great for folks who are on like those 10 to 14 day vacations, but anything under anything like seven days and less, I'd probably skip out on. I think you're missing more at another park because of it. Now, what are the top shows in each park? Um, and I know I'm kind of going rapid fire. I got 12 minutes left. Got to make sure I get you all the information you need to know. Um, top shows at Magic Kingdom, have to see the fireworks, have to see the parade. Um, currently, the fireworks are enchantment, which I've enjoyed, but they are going to be returning to Happily Ever After, which is the best fireworks show on earth. It's amazing, and you have to see it. And then, of course, midday is the Festival of Fantasy Parade, so you can see all of the Disney characters on their floats, and um, it's just a fun parade. Over at Epcot, the other nighttime spectacular is Harmonious. Um, this is a water slash fireworks show that happens in the middle of the World Showcase Lagoon. Very fun. Got some really good music to dance to. Highly recommend. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, once Fantasmic returns, that is a must-do. Um, it's legendary. It's nostalgic. And you get to see so many very awesome Disney characters. But until that returns, I'm going with the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular. Um, which is, if you're an Indiana Jones fan, there's great action. And you feel like you're in the middle of a movie set. And then lastly, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, Festival of the Lion King is great. Um, it's basically a fest, uh, a show with all of your favorite Lion King songs. And it's very fun. Now, if you're thinking about, okay, like, where do I stand for fireworks or parades? Um, I'll let you know that for Fantasmic, it's seating room. So the earlier you can get in, the better. For the fireworks at Magic Kingdom, anywhere in the middle of what we call the hub, which is the grassy area, where Walt's statue is located is great, or anywhere on the streets, uh, a little bit to the corner, you can usually get a really good view without anything blocking you. Um, for Festival of the Fantasy Parade, I always prefer to just be on Main Street. I think you get a really good view of the floats. Um, and it's really the only time that you can hang out on Main Street, especially for a first-time visitor. Harmonious, um, over at Epcot, really anywhere at the, anywhere at the World Showcase. Um, there's one store in particular that has an area right behind it. If you're a first-time visitor, it's probably really hard to find it, but, um, I think really anywhere around the world showcase you can you can see it from. Now, ways to beat the heat. Really, for me, I would say a mix of any of the indoor queues or lines you want to get through it. If you're at Epcot, go through the pavilions, look through the stores. Um, that's what makes Epcot unique and tons of air conditioning. If there's one park where you can get a lot of AC, it's Epcot. Um, Magic Kingdom has some. 
Not all. Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, a mix. Walt Disney Presents has some really cool, like, things to look at and a little sit-through show, so that's fun. Or the Frozen sing-along. And then Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom's the toughest with getting AC. I just say if you're really sweating and you really need a long break, just wait in line for Flight of Passage. It's a very cold indoor queue. Um, now, which Disney snacks are a must-get on your first trip? Over at Magic Kingdom, um, going towards Adventureland, which is your first left once you uh, enter the hub, either the buffalo chicken or pizza egg rolls. They're fantastic. Some of my favorite quick service snacks um, at Walt Disney World or get the Tropical Serenade over at Aloha Isle. That's also uh, a little bit towards that direction in Adventureland. It is a coconut ice cream with it's coconut ice cream with pog juice. It's fantastic. Over at Epcot in the France Pavilion, highly recommend the Nutella beignet or the cheese and bacon bread. Both very good values. I think the France Quick Service is fantastic. And anytime I'm back there, I always just tend to get something. Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disney's Animal Kingdom I struggle with. Hollywood Studios, I'd probably just say get tachos at Woody's Lunchbox. Um... They're technically a meal, but they're a good shareable item. Um, if you like tater tots and sour cream and all that fun stuff. And then over at Animal Kingdom, I didn't even know what to say. So I put the Ananda per ice cream truck. This is over by Expedition Everest. It has good ice cream, some good ice cream sundaes. Not really sure what for you to get at this park. Um, I know people really like the ice cream truck, and so why not? For those who have been here before, you know that I am a big dining reservation person. So I'm actually going to give you some hints on what I really like uh, in terms of dining. If you're staying at Disney, I mean, I'm always going to recommend doing a Disney dining because it's just a different experience, different level of service. The food is always fantastic. Um you know, even restaurants that are in the 50s, 60s on my list, I still enjoy much more than I do a restaurant off Disney property. Um, so starting with Magic Kingdom, I'm going with Be Our Guest. It's my sixth out of 96th restaurant. The ambiance is incredible. If you're a, Be a, uh, if you're a Beauty and the Beast fan, you're going to feel like you're in the Beast Castle. I think the fact that you get to meet the Beast, the food is great. I, I really love Be Our Guest. Over at Epcot in the Mexico Pavilion, I'm going with La Hacienda de San Angel. It's my second favorite restaurant on Disney property. Um, if you need a firework viewing, that is a perfect spot for Harmonious. The food is excellent. The service is great. It's a beautiful restaurant. It's awesome. I would I recommended La Hacienda now to multiple people, and multiple friends have fell in love with it. Um, just if you're going to go get firework viewing. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, 50s prime time. It's located at the front of the park. Um, it has like all your good comfort food, meatloaf, fried chicken. Um, there's one other item that I'm missing, but it is basically like you're in grandma's kitchen and you get yelled at if you have your elbows on the table. They have a really good uh, PB&J shake. I just love this place. It just, I love it. It feels so homey. It's my seventh favorite Disney restaurant. It's incredible. It's so good. And lastly, Animal Kingdom. I struggle with this because I, 
I don't really love any of the restaurants there, truthfully. Like, if there is a park where you can skip dining and I'm like, that's fine, like, I get it, it's Animal Kingdom. Um, instead, I would aim for a quick service and I'd get Santuli Canteen over in Pandora or Flame Tree Barbecue, which is at the front of the park. Both very good quick service options. And just for the value you get, I think it, you're going to have a better experience, in my opinion. Now, lastly, to round out, what are some things that you can do that aren't included in the parks? Um, Disney Springs, of course, has all the shopping, uh, more places to eat, um, and some other cool options. You could even see a Cirque du Soleil show. Uh, you could also resort hop or do a resort dining. Wink, wink, eat at Ohana at the Disney's Polynesian Resorts, the best restaurant in the world. Um, you could check out the resorts and really what sets Walt Disney World Resort apart from all the other Disney properties is the resorts are incredible. Disney also has two mini golf courses, including Fantasia Gardens or Winter Summerland. They are so immersive. They are very different than your typical mini golf course. And there's also an 18-hole golf course on the property as well. There's also spas, horseback riding, boat rentals. There is a lot more at Walt Disney World Resort than you would ever expect. Um, so I, I know I went through, and that was a lot to absorb, but feel free on my Instagram at Journey into Paul's Imagination. If you have a Disney, um, if you have a Disney trip coming up and you have some questions, it's hard to really nail down like what you need to do because there's so much. And I, I truly think that everyone's vacation is different and that you cannot, um, you really can't cater towards the masses. You really need to care, uh, cater towards everyone specifically. So would love to help if I can. Um, want to finish off by saying, I hope everyone stays safe during Hurricane Ian. I think that's what this is called, like, if I remember. Um, please stay safe. Go watch Hocus Pocus before Hocus Pocus 2 comes out. Um, if you're not in Florida, go watch Don't Worry Darling because it's a fantastic movie. And for those who are new here, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Really hope you return to learn more about the Disney parks and here, you know, as I go ahead and tell more about my experiences and, you know, what's going on in the Disney world and talk Disney entertainment too. So if you're a Disney Plus fan, Disney movie fan, um, you know, we talk about all that fun stuff too. So be well, stay safe. I'll see you guys next week for episode 23.